honest and truly, Jesus could be a terrible house guest. Listen to this story. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of the leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you have invited someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down in the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your guest, by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus also said to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Let us pray. Holy God, you create for us a feast of love. You create for us a table bigger than we can ever imagine. Open our hearts and minds and stir our imaginations that we may be able to dream of your wedding banquet and a table that includes so many. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. According to the website Wealth Gorilla, Jeff Bezos of Amazon is the wealthiest man in the world. Not surprising. Amazon. Xi Jinping. I looked at this, and you're not supposed to say Xi Jinping. You're supposed to say Xi Jinping. This is the leader of China and he ranks among the world's most powerful, according to Forbes. He's number one. Pope Francis is number six. You can imagine who are number two, three, four, and five. According to Esquire magazine, and yes, this week in 2019, Brad Pitt and Justin Bieber are among the best dressed. 
Naomi Osaka is ranked number one in tennis players, women tennis players in the world, and Rami Malek is best actor. And having just watched Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, I concur with that. If you've not seen it, oh my goodness, he is amazing. We have the SATs and the ACTs, credit scores, the size we wear, all kinds of systems for ranking each other. We have systems for ranking how beautiful, how smart, how successful, how accomplished. But Jesus will have none of it. He sees the world differently. And he wants for us so much more. In Jesus' day, dinners were public events, and everyone knew who was coming to dinner at everyone's house, and since there wasn't a Forbes or an Esquire to tell them who was most important, social ranking was negotiated at the dinner table. And only people of the same social rank ate together. So Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg could eat together but never Jerome Powell, an destitute orphan from China. Tax collectors and common sinners could eat together, and the poor and the lame and the blind were probably lucky enough to eat at all because no one invited them to dinner. Jesus ate with the Pharisees, and that means that Jesus must have been something of a celebrity because they really only invited Jesus so they could catch him doing something wrong. It doesn't take very long for Jesus to do something wrong. As a dinner guest, Jesus is a disaster. Why anyone would invite him to dinner is a mystery. He insults all of the guests. Are you sure you want to sit there? Do you really think that you're that important? How to know if Jesus is at your dinner party? Everyone is afraid to sit down. <laughs> and then Jesus goes on and further insults everyone by telling the host he should not even have invited all these people, but he should make them leave and go out and invite the homeless, poor, and the rejected, and the sick. That's who should be at the table, says Jesus. As I said, Jesus, as a house guest, a dinner guest, is a disaster. Jesus will eat with just about anybody. Pharisees, poor fishermen, the tax collectors, the sinners those who are sick? Because Jesus has this different kind of value systems in mind and a different kind of dinner table, a banquet table. One of the images for heaven in the eschatological sense, that means in the future, not when we die, but when God's kingdom is complete, is a wedding banquet, a wedding banquet where everyone comes. And 
It is the table where the poor have a place as well as the rich and the hungry are fed and go away with leftovers and children and adults sit at the same table and every person is recognized as a beloved child of God. And not only is there no ranking system, but Jesus calls everyone at the table to look around and see who's not there. Who's not at the party? Who's not at the banquet? Because everyone's invited. According to Pew Research Center, Sunday mornings are still among the most segregated hour in American life. But it's changing little by little. Last week, we celebrated a wedding for a couple from West Africa. And as we were planning the service, the couple insisted that we take an offering in the middle of the wedding service. And I said, we don't generally do that. <laughs> and they said, you're kidding. And I said, no, I'm not. But I thought, as I always do when planning weddings, this is about the couple. This is about the couple and what is important. And they were insistent that an offering be taken during the wedding. And so I naturally said, okay, well you need to pick ushers to pass the plates, right? And so they started thinking about, okay, who could be ushers to pass the plates? In the meantime, I went to my Facebook group of Presbyterian leaders and asked, has anybody faced this situation? And I got a couple of comments where people were like, oh, interesting, maybe you should ask the session. <laughs> and I thought, you know, this offering goes to the church. Can you imagine the session saying no? <laughs> I couldn't. And then I got more comments. In fact, I got 32 comments in all. And most of them said, hello, get over your white Western Christian ways and embrace this. This is West African worship. It will be amazing. The couple will stand and hold baskets and they will dance up the aisle singing. Okay. So I got on the phone and I called one of my pastor friends who has West African congregation and he confirmed this, oh yes, you have to have an offering. This is the heart of worship. This is praise and thanksgiving, and how could you ever imagine 
worshiping God without taking an offering. Well, a lot of people can imagine that, but <laughs> I, so now I'm getting it. I'm starting to get it. So I email my couple and I say, would you guys rather not have to pass the plates, but rather bring your offerings up, singing down the aisle? And I got back, oh my goodness, Reverend Molly, thank you so much. You know us so well. <laughs> Holy Spirit. It was fabulous. It was the most cult multicultural experience I think I've had at this church. The bride wore an amazing wedding gown worthy of Neiman Marcus or Saks Fifth Avenue. There were more pearls on that gown in the train that you could ever count. We played the trumpet voluntary. And in the middle of this very traditional service, Barbara got up and took the microphone and began singing. And the couple, after lighting the unity candle, took the offering plates, because we didn't have any big baskets, and the people danced up the aisle, and they sang in that four-part harmony without any hymnal, without any printed music. They just knew the songs because it was worship, and it was ingrained in their hearts and their souls. And it was amazing. In two weeks, we will celebrate Homecoming Sunday. And we call it Homecoming because we're calling all of the church people who've wandered away during the summer to come back to church for the start of a new year, and we know that it feels so welcoming if you've been a member of this church or worshiped here regularly to think of this as home. But Julie and I were talking and we started to wonder if for people who didn't already worship here, if saying homecoming might feel a little exclusive. Now, we're not changing the name of Homecoming Sunday. But I think we, as we think about it, we have to think more broadly that this is God's home. And if we're not inviting lots of people and lots of different people, we're not honoring God or the Sabbath, or the great banquet. But how do we do it? How do we do it? Because I tell you that still, word of mouth is the most effective way of getting people to come to church, even more than the website. So 
I taught the children, hello, my name is, what's your name? And we did that so well. But now, reach into your pocket and grab your phone. Do it. I see one person. Do it. Okay. If you've got Facebook, God will forgive you, and it's okay, but go and open up Facebook. And you guys have Facebook, some people? If you're, if you're younger and you know how to do Instagram, hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. So, and if you're, if you're not using Facebook, then you have to actually write a card or call somebody on the phone or send an email. But this is the most easy way to do this. So you're going to go to Facebook, and there's my Facebook, and I'm opening it, and right at the top it says, what's on your mind? Do you see that? Okay, so just under what's on your mind is this, there are three things, live, photo, and check-in. The check-in looks like an upside-down teardrop. It's supposed to be like a marker on a map. Okay, so everybody push check-in. It will say Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church. One Chevy Chase Circle Northwest. Do you see it? Hold up your hands. Press that. You have just told all of your Facebook friends that you are at Chevy Chase Presbyterian Church attending worship. And wasn't that easy? Some of the other things that you can do is share a post from the church. You can also just, what's on your mind? You could tell people what it means to you to worship at a church that has welcomed a family of Syrian refugees. If that's meaningful, if that touches your heart, if that's why, one of the reasons why you're here, you could share that. If you are moved every week by the music, you could just say, that's what's on my mind. If it's important to you and part of your church experience that we have an asylum family, Tell people, that's what's on your mind. Homecoming Sunday is a wonderful time to invite people because there's a picnic, a bouncy house, the shameless petting zoo, for kids and grandkids, just do it, just do it. You know that our worship, I mean, again, shameless, 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 shameless. Since we started having the donkey and the two sheep and the donkey, we have doubled our Christmas Eve attendance. (laughs) Just saying, just saying. As followers of Jesus, we have this as our calling. Not to convert people, 
or make them believe something that they don't, but to show people and welcome people into a feast of love and welcome and sanctuary and rest and prayer and praise. We have this amazing thing that happens here. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have an ancient ritual to remind us that we are loved. That this is the one place maybe where we are not ranked. Where we are just loved. And we are more truly who we are supposed to be when not everyone looks or dresses exactly as we do or like everyone else, I say we. How many of you out there wear a robe? <laughs> Thank you, Eric and Julie. So let us come to the feast. And that let us go from this place looking for people to invite. So that this table may be as beautifully diverse as Jesus imagines the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm not going to